Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we had Brad Sugars, the founder of Action Coach, and they're like all over the place. Brad, welcome to the program. Well, g'day. Good to be here, everyone. Well, superb. And the first thing I asked you when we actually started chatting before we went on air is like, where is that accent from? And I should have gone like his bloody Foster's beer from Australia. When did you come to the US? How old were you and what uh, brought you to our shores? Uh, I think I first moved to the States in 98. So uh, that was, it was for business, obviously. Australia is a very large geographical country, but not as many people. And so from a business market perspective, you want to be where the most business is, and especially in the business coaching arena. Uh, I, I think that was important. And uh, married a Boston girl, so ended up staying in, in America. Now with uh, all five kids, they're all Americans, as we like to say. So half half Australian, half American. They got I just want you to know, you picked up part of her accent a little bit. In yeah. yeah, that's what they that's tell me. I was real confused. It was like, a, I bet you like, Kathy, but that's just me, maybe. Uh, so action coach. So were you a coach when you arrived to the US? You know, we started business coaching in 1993. Uh, and it happened purely by accident. I was giving some seminars and speaking because when you're young and successful, people are like, well, we want to see how did you do it? And so when I started speaking about what I was doing, um, people would ask for help. And, and it was kind of like, listen, I don't have time. I'm running my own business. I'm doing a bunch of these speaking things. I, I just don't have time to help you. Maybe if you call me once a week, I can sort of coach you in how to do this type of thing. And uh, after, you, you know how sometimes I, I always say I'm a bit of a slow learner, right? Um, well, after about a hundred people asked me, can you help me? It was kind of like, hey, maybe there's a business. Well, yeah. <laughs> and here we are uh, th- almost 30 years later. So uh, next year is our 30th birthday. And uh now we uh, coach in 83 countries. We have about 1,100 offices around the world doing that. So, yeah, we, we probably, well, we do. We represent about 280,000 business owners every single week and uh, members of our organization helping them grow their business. Brilliant. So uh, my hypothesis is in, in any group of folks, so take your action coach offices, that mm-hmm. there would be uh, some players there that would be the A players, and some players that would be the B players, probably a major chunk of it. And there might be even some C players in there, uh, just the way it works out statistically. What do you think separates the A players from the B players? Your theory on that? Yeah, look, in, in anything, um, first of all, it's a decision. The yeah. decision to be the lead dog, the decision to be in the top five or top 10 or top, in our case, top uh, 100 or something like that, it puts you in the top 10%. I think the second thing is uh, the desire. You know, we have a lot of coaches on my team who've they basically reached retirement and they just wanted to give back. So they're not their goal is not to have a hundred customers. Their goal is to have five or ten and just give back and help out those five or ten. So I think the desire has to be a major part of it. Uh, So that decision and then the desire. 
And then the third part, uh, I would say, is consistent learning, consistent growth, because the market shifts, the market changes. You know, we saw that during COVID, how we had to change, everyone had to change their marketing, everyone had to change their sales strategy, everyone had to change their customer service delivery strategy. You had to change the way you manage your people, you had to change the way you led people, you had to change recruiting, hiring, all of these things have changed so dramatically. You know, when Amazon released its numbers, they said they were doing in 2021, they said they were doing 2027's number of package deliveries that they'd predicted. So what we really said is that we'd virtualize the world seven years faster than it would have been otherwise. And so that shift in and that speed up of that shift meant we all had to change. And so I think an A player takes advantage of that. I think uh, it was the head of Intel, Andy Groves, who once said, you know, a, a negative economy will kill a bad business. It will, uh, a good business will survive through it, but a great business will actually thrive through a negative economy. And so what, what we saw in our team, in every team around the world, now, admittedly, some of our team, it was some countries, you got to understand, Uma, they just, they were gone the entire economy just disappeared and there was no economic assistance. I look at my team in Turkey and I, I got to hand it to my team in Turkey. The level of adversity they've been through in the last five years economically has been amazing. And yet they're still out there. They're still making sales, still getting marketing results. And I think that's an important aspect of it. So I guess if you added a fourth, it would be tenacity, the ability to just keep going. Yeah. Um, there is no, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, we're on a, talking mostly about sales today, but you know, uh, the stupidest thing I've ever heard about sales and the smartest thing I've ever heard about sales is that sales is a numbers game. It, it's smart in the fact that you, know, you do have to do the numbers, but it's stupid in the fact that if you think it's just a numbers game, then you've missed the entire point of building relationships, yeah. the whole no like and trust factor of, of working with people. But in this day and age, the majority of customers have made their buying decision before they even contact you. They're 70 to 80% of the way through their purchasing decisions before they even connect with you. So in many cases, the salesperson's job is to get out of the way. Don't, don't get in the way of the sale. Don't make it harder for them to buy than it actually should be. It's, it's crazy that way. I was talking to a realtor. Actually, something you said before, we we're talking about sales, but we're actually not. We're talking about human beings. Who happened to do sales? Because it's all that human interaction stuff. And it's all that self-worth stuff that comes in. Mm. So that just kind of focuses our conversation. But uh, I was talking to a realtor who was saying, you know, he took one of uh, the younger realtors out to a listing appointment and the guy did a phenomenal job. Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner are like leaning forward, ready to go. And he says, well, I'm going to leave these contracts with you and uh, let's chat about it tomorrow and see if you still want to move forward. And the mentor's like, no, <laughs> why yeah. are you doing that? They're right to buy. And, you know, that's just a learning experience. And it's also kind of... Well, it's a training experience, Uma. Absolutely. That young salesperson should never have been allowed out. They shouldn't have. Business owners that allow a salesperson out into the field before training them, uh, it, this is where salespeople get a bad name. This is where, you know, the lack of training of salespeople is what kills them. You wouldn't, if you were a doctor and you hired another doctor to work for you in your office, you wouldn't let them go operate without at least watching them first, trusting them, training them, you know, having them shadow you, all yep. that sort of stuff. It's, 
it's silly how in sales it's not treated properly as a profession. If I had a salesperson, I would train them to within an inch of their life before I let them loose on a prospect. I've spent thousands or hundreds or however much money in marketing to generate that lead. I've spent millions on branding to build the brand to have that prospect contact us first. The dumbest thing in the world is for me to throw an untrained, unskilled uh, salesperson who doesn't have a system, doesn't know the system, doesn't follow the system systemic approach of, a, of onboarding a customer client member, you know, that, that to me is just a bad, badly run organization or bad management in that you don't train your people to within an inch of their life. That salesperson should have been trained. And I would guess also, if I looked at that sales organization, they don't have a sales structure. They don't have, here's the 10 steps you follow or the 15 steps you follow to make a sale a reality. They don't have that level of training. They don't have it scripted. They don't have uh, brochures for each level or emails or questionnaires or, you know, pieces of information to give to a prospect at each stage not trained, therefore not performing. And I see that all the time. And even people, well, you probably see this a lot. I, I was with a group in Houston recently, and there was a guy who said, but he says to me, but I'm no good at sales. I said, really? How many sales training programs have you done? He said, well, none. Well, how many sales books have you read? Well, I tried to read one. How many sales calls you made? Well, I've, I've done at least 10, you know? And it's like, dude, you you... You cannot be good at something you've not been trained at. You cannot be good at something you've not studied. You cannot expect to be good if you don't do the work. And so I was never a salesperson. No one's born a salesperson. That is such a load of rubbish. No one's born a leader. You learn these skills. You learn how to do it. And that's where, you know, I, I struggle with a lot of people that just think they're going to naturally be good at something. No, sales is not a natural. Sales is something you study. You learn and you work out how to do it. And you're right. It's a human to human interaction and how you interact with humans. So if you don't understand human behavior, communication behavior, if you don't understand any of that stuff, how do you expect to be good at convincing someone to make a decision to make a purchase decision? You know? So I'm going to disagree and agree with you at the same time. So here goes. So I do think there's some people naturally gifted that would have the gift of gab, let's say, and would get more yeses than you would expect. But once they're trained, they're going to be freaking amazing. So absolutely. And I think one of the things salespeople generally shy away from is look, man, do you want me to follow the process or you want me to make sales? And the answer is follow the process because if you don't have a process, you can't get better. And so how do you coach your business owners to manage sales teams? Because oftentimes that is the bane of their existence and that's the lifeblood of their business yeah. and they want to balance it. So why don't you give us like a, a real world example? You can change the names to protect the innocent of someone that was struggling through it and how you helped coach them through that. Yeah, so there's two sides to what we'll coach them in. There's the management of salespeople and there's the leadership of salespeople. They're two entirely different things. Management is about building competency and productivity. So competency meaning they're good at their job. They have product knowledge, they have sales knowledge, communication knowledge, human being, uh, behavioral knowledge. Like they have those knowledge things. That's why our sales training for our clients takes 12 weeks. We take 12 weeks of working with their salespeople to actually build them into great salespeople. So the management of it is competency and productivity and productivity comes down to your measurement factors. What are you measuring on a daily basis? And we use six key measures for any person and they're, 
Some of them are the same in, from organization to organization, but many of them differ because different organizations have different sales cycles and, and uh, different values and all sorts mm -hmm. of things. And then you've got the leadership side of it. So you've actually got to, if, if management is competency and productivity, leadership is passion and focus. So keeping them focused, that sort of thing. So what is the morning daily training? What's the morning huddle for your salespeople? You know, and I see salespeople not doing morning huddles and I wonder how they succeed. A salesperson needs that morning you know, vibe. It's like the football team running out onto the, onto the field. They have that huddle before they get out there and they get all hyped up type thing. You yeah. need so just before you go forward, have you been to uh, Tokyo? Yes. If you go into like one of the department stores, the entire team is there. What's it all? What's it all? And then uh, I'm on they, they have their daily the huddles. They're, they're very strong on the greatest thing that, that you can learn from Japanese business is, uh, is rituals. They are very strong on rituals and, mm -hmm. and they believe in it. And I believe in it too. You know, you know, when you look at a salesperson, I ask them, what's your ritual before a sales meeting? You know, what do you do? What music do you listen to? How do you prep yourself? What is your systemic approach to prepping your brain, your head and your heart before you walk into that meeting? Because if, if you walk in there just strolling on in, your brain isn't focused, your heart's not in the right place, you don't have your script ready, you haven't done your homework on those people. You know, I always ask someone, show me the written 12 questions you're going to ask this prospect that you don't ask any other prospect. Show me where you've written them down. They haven't written them down. You haven't done your homework. Of course, you're not going to get the sale. You know, uh, do your homework before you do it type thing. What are you going to ask? How are you going to question these people? And so the second part of leadership is not just that, that focus. It's the passion. You know, do they love what they're doing? Do they love what they're selling? Do they love their customers? Do they love the process of doing this sort of thing? And I use the word love with intention because if someone doesn't love buying from you today, then you're a commodity. And a commodity goes back to price and, and you know, that, that's the killer for most businesses, you know, live by price, die by price. So we need to make sure that. So when, when we go in and work with a business owner or a sales manager or even salespeople direct, we, our virtual sales management program where we actually will manage the salespeople for an organization you know, it really is a balance of those two aspects of that, you know, making sure there is management and building the salesperson with capability, but also the flip side of that, the leadership of having those conversations with them and, and doing those things. So, you know, you must meet with your salespeople at least twice a week, uh, once as a group and once individually, you know, you want to individually meet with every single salesperson every single week and go over their numbers, go over their results. What issues do they have? What opportunities did they come up? We call that a lion meeting. Uh, last week, issues, opportunities next week, lion. Um, we require our salespeople to do a frog list every day, how to eat that frog. You know, what is the, you know, at the end of every day, what's your list of what you got to do and what you got to achieve tomorrow. So we build productivity in those ways and we make sure we keep them passionate and focused. And they build each other up too. I, I think using the team to manage the team is really important. If you, Try and just manage the team on your own. You miss the point. And also then if you take that to the next level, then you got to train your actual sales manager. So training the sales manager, how to manage and how to lead is sort of that next phase. So we'll come to that in a minute. A couple of things that you said. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. 100%. I think rituals, we need to build tribes. And that's like uh, baked in our DNA. 
And part of the things that tribes is that rituals that we have that kind of get people to go from kids to men. Also, what do we do before we do this right? We've got this ritual to get everybody in the right mindset, the right attitude. And uh, one of the things that uh, you were uh, talking about was very much you know, how do we bring love into what we're doing? And that's a personal project I'm working on now. So I'm going to set up the question and then ask you a specific one. So I'm really into tennis these days. And uh, I was uh, my coach who I play with, not really my coach, but he's like more experienced than me. He's always telling me, Umar, you need to slow down. Stop trying to hit it hard because you suck at it. (laughs) Just hit it normally. And one of the things I started doing was saying, okay, in the middle of a game, I'll kind of drop down into that state of love. And as soon as I do that, all of a sudden, it seems like the ball is slowing down, that I'm actually hitting it uh, more precisely. There's less like a force in my hitting. It's just my game improves radically without actually having to actually be move faster, hit harder, and do all that kind of aggressive stuff. So the question to you is, what do you mean about love? Like, I'm sure you've been on stage where you're just presenting as Brad and sometimes you just step into a deeper state and there's like this connection with the audience. A, is that true? And if it is, what do you think the distinction is? Because I'm sure when you're just being Brad, you're freaking awesome, but sometimes you're magical. What's the difference within Brad, the differences between great and magical? I think firstly, uh, don't wait till you're in the middle of the game to step yourself into that space. Before I go on stage, I set myself into that space. Before I go on stage to do anything or before I I go into a sales meeting, before I go into a coaching session, before I go into a board meeting, I set my intention and I get myself in that space and hence the, the rituals before any event. You've seen a sporting team that goes out and is just not ready to go out there. They're not mentally prepared. They're not in the zone. They're not, you know, whatever terminology people want to use with that. I always go back to a thing of, of how do you create that ritualistic stuff for yourself? And, and uh, when you go back and study NLP, the anchoring factor and how you can anchor yourself in wow. your state. And so by creating that state or, be, you know, moving myself into that state, then I'm in that mode already. And I'll tell you the distinct difference between it. The distinct difference is being present versus not being present. It's, it's no more complex than that. When you are, I love racing fast cars. So when I'm racing fast cars, if I'm not present, I'm dead. Yeah. You know, if I'm not in the exact moment that I'm in there, if I'm thinking about what's for dinner, if I'm thinking about, you know, Hey, wonder what the kids have got for homework today. You know, if I'm thinking about any of that, I'm dead. And the same is in sales. And that's why, you know, if you, if you look at the latest studies about cell phones and having your cell phone out, having a computer open, having anything done reduces your attentiveness by up to 40%. Yep. Even the other person having their cell phone out reduces their attentiveness and your attentiveness. So therefore, it's not a, a part of it. So simple things like removing distractions, moving people to a different spot. If they're sitting behind their desk with their computer open and you say, hey, show me around your business first, or let's go and take a look at where this would be installed, or let's go and do something. So get them out of that space so they can be present. So they're actually with you in the sales meeting rather than thinking about the 20 other things they've got to do. I like to bring people to us in a sales scenario so that they're out of that environment. I like to remove cell phones. When I'm giving a speech, one of the first things I do with people is I warn them about the fact that if their phone goes off, then hey, presto. I even do a simple example where I actually will get the phone. I'll stand on stage and walk around with my phone and just say to them all, so how many of you think I was paying you full attention while I had my phone in my hand? 
And of course, they say, they all say, well, no, of course, you couldn't have been paying us attention. Well, great. So those of you with your phone out, you can't be paying attention either. So put it away, get rid of it and pay attention up in here. You right. know, you, you've got to build an environment that where sales happen. You've got to build an environment. I do a lot of my selling today, one to many. So I'll put, you know, 500 people in a room and I'll sell one to, you know, 500 rather than one at a time type thing. You know, the biggest move in sales is reminding ourselves that people are at 70 to 80% of the purchase decision before they connect with you. They've done their research. They've done their homework. They've been online. They've researched you, researched your competitors. They've done all of those sorts of things. So it's really important to find where they're at when they're doing that. And I think that, you know, you go back to your question of what's the difference between good and magical it's really being where they're at, watching your audience, you know, watching your, your people and getting a feel for them, bring them all together and uh, get them acting as one, train your audience to participate, train them to be a part of it. You know, if, if we look at a lot of what sales is, sales is change management. Yep. So if you've not studied change management, then that's something that we've, we've obviously got to do. But when you look at change, my formula for change is dissatisfaction multiplied by vision has, uh, plus the first steps has to be resistance. Now, what does that mean? So for someone to want to make a change, they got to have dissatisfaction. So unless you explore a level of their dissatisfaction, you're not going to find out why it is that they're, they're even chatting with you. What brought them here with you today? What, what is it about what they currently have? What is it about their current situation? Where are they at? Then they've got to have vision. So they've got to know how your product or service is going to take them to where they want to be. So you've got to know where they want to be in order to be able to say, we can help get you there. Here's how we'll help get you there, those sorts of things. The first steps is easy, but all of that's got to overcome resistance. And resistance is more emotive than it is logical. Resistance is more, you know, in a, in a, and if you study behavioral styles, if you look at someone that's a high S in the disc profiling system, a steady as she goes type person, their resistance is going to be different to the resistance of someone that's a high C, a detailed compliance oriented right. person. So when you understand all of those things and you understand how you make change, that's where magic happens. Magic doesn't happen by just, um, you know, uh, being That's just it. present. It also yeah. understands the process of moving a human bo- being through the decision-making process. And the bigger the sale, then the, the, the bigger the process needs to be for that person. But back to your point of earlier, follow the process or, you know, make the sale. Well, if you focus on the prospect and follow the process, you will make the sale as long as the process has been tested and measured. In most cases, I find there's not enough testing and measuring of the process. Like I, I know that when we work with people, we even test singular words. Mm-hmm. What What is the difference between that word and that word? Like one of my magic sales lines, if people want to write this down, okay? If you're listening to the podcast, please write this down. So when someone calls your business, 90% of the time, the question they're going to ask is something like, what's the price of, or can this be delivered on? They're going to ask a detailed style question because they've already done their research. The response to that should 100% of the time be this question. We have tested it. We have measured it. We've used it in thousands of companies and it works. So you don't have to. So don't mess with the script, right? The script says this, thanks for your call. Thanks for your call. Just so I can help you best, would it be okay if I asked you a couple of questions? 
So thanks for your call. Must come first. You have to thank people before you do anything, okay? You have to acknowledge their answer to your question. If you ask a question, you don't say, oh, thanks for that, or oh, that's great. Oh, yep, that makes sense. If you don't give them an acknowledgement to the answer to their question, then you can't move forward. So thanks for your call. Just so I can help you best, is it okay if I ask you a couple of questions? Now, here's an interesting question. If we use the word few, not couple of questions, but a few questions, we get, well, I just wanted to get the price. Right. If we ask, can I ask you a couple of questions? It's sure, that's fine. So it's really interesting that in a sales scenario, we record a lot of salespeople. And if as a salesperson, you have not recorded your sales presentations and listened back to them, let alone given it to a coach and gotten feedback on it, if you just listen back to your own sales scenario, you're going to learn about 100 things that you need to fix, change, or adapt. Uh, if you give Absolutely. it to a mentor, then they will get it at a much higher level too. I was coaching this gentleman on uh, phone sales, and I'm listening to him. We don't have recording software at their company, so I just get my iPhone, hit the record button on his next call. So we're just hearing the salesperson side of the conversation. I said, great, stop the recording. Who's your best friend? He says, Dan. Uh, where's Dan right now at home? Call him up, invite him to the movies this weekend. And then I hit the record button and he invites his friend. That's now listen to your conversation with Dan, warm, rich, connected. And then listen to what you're doing with your client. It's like a tight voice, disconnected, speaking too fast. And then yeah. it was like, oh, I had no idea I was doing that. And that's all sometimes you need to do is to just show them. Yeah. And they, they get it because when you describe it, it's hard to get. So before we part company today, I want to make sure we understand What's the experience like at Action Coach? Like, do you meet weekly? Is there a group thing once a month or once a week? Is there individual coaching? Walk me through it. There's uh, four different layers that someone can join us in. So they become a member of Action Coach. Some people join us just for the education. So they'll Mm -hmm. come for, it's a monthly meeting and a weekly online education. Uh, others will come for the that education. Then they'll move up to an elite membership where they also add in that monthly meeting, they do a, 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 a board meeting of the afternoon. It's really like their mastermind group. If you think of it that way, that mastermind group, they work together to solve each other's problems and to hold each other accountable. Um, Then we go to elite plus group coaching. So they'll go into a group of three business owners who will be coached by a coach every single week. Plus they do all the education side of it. And then uh, elite plus one, one, one to one. So they'll do all of the education. Plus they'll have a coach work with them every single week in their business. That all includes, you know, quarterly planning for their business. So every quarter, every member comes together and they plan for the next quarter. Uh, annual planning every November, December, we do two days uh, the end of, towards the end of November where we actually plan the following year with everybody. So it's really about four things that we see that when people join Action Coach. It's community because being a business owner or a salesperson so our sales membership is different to our business membership so that but they they operate on the same four levels but it's really about community first you know who are the people you hang out with the most because that will determine where you go accountability because when you're either the owner or that you know you can't be the owner of the business and hold yourself accountable it just doesn't work that way you know, uh, results, because we really want to measure the numbers in every business. You know, what are their actual numbers? Every salesperson, what are their numbers? Every single week, we want to know that you're getting better. And then education, you know, you can't outperform your training. You have to get better if you want to achieve better. You can't just, you know, business doesn't get easy. You got to get better at business. Well, sales doesn't get easy. You got to get better at sales. 
So that education component, so the care model of community accountability results in education is really what we focus in on with all of our members worldwide. Brilliant. So two questions. Number one uh, is, well, just an observation that uh, you've got a coach and you've got a bunch of members and people will do more for their peers and the other people sitting around the table than they'll do for their coach. And that just brings a level of accountability. Sometimes, sometimes. Tell me it, more it about depends. that. If you look at a sporting scenario, yeah. some people will play harder for their team, but they'll train harder for their coach. Ah, so it, it depends on the scenario as to which way you're looking. All right. And the second thing is, do you have any outside speakers coming in or is it just in-house? We run uh, an event every year called BizX. And uh, at our membership every month, we bring in an international uh, educator every month at our membership events. So uh, they do the education. I do the education. The local coach does the education. So there's three layers of education every single month at the meeting. And then there is uh, weekly education online and Zoom calls online every single week for all of our members. So hold them accountable, keep them learning and keep them growing. But uh, yeah, we make, we make the best use of technology so everybody can learn from our best of the best in the world. So everyone listening, we're going to actually put all the information about Action Coach in the show notes. So you can actually go find them and find out more because I'm not sure what the stats are, but Brad's about to tell us that if you're by yourself doing your own shit, you get a certain level of performance. But if you join Action Coach, the average business increases their revenue by how much? So our average depends on the layer of membership. Yeah. Obviously, if you wonder, give us your best. Increase, Give us the top line, the flagship. I mean, it, it comes to the faster you want to grow. So we, our, our return is a 9.2 to 1. So for every dollar invested in coaching, there's $9.2 return. So Brilliant. We always measure the returns because it's different. Some companies are multi-million dollar and some are smaller. So it's the return on coaching. Brilliant. So Brad, a few questions for you. Number one. In your life, uh, what makes you happy? What brings you joy? Uh, family, sporting events, food. Love it. Once in a while, you can do all three at once if you go through a drive-thru. Uh, <laughs> two, what's one tip you'd like to share with our listeners that they can implement immediately that would allow them to just uh, be more productive, be happier, be sexier? Like, what would that be? Oh, look, I would have to go back to when I was 16 years of age when Jim Rohn taught me, never wish life were easier, wish that you were better. Love it. And the last question, what's a question I should have asked you that I did not? Um, how can I help you today? Yeah. That's a question every person should ask every person. Yeah. You know, when, you, when you go into everything with a service mentality of how can I help you today, it uh, changes the way that the world perceives you. It changes the way. And you know, salespeople are going into too many scenarios wondering how the prospect can help them rather than how they can help the prospect. So, you know, sometimes the best thing you can do with a prospect is not make a sale to them. It's just give them some knowledge and let them move to the next phase sort of thing. And I've always said to our prospects at Action Coach, listen, I know you will perform better with a coach. I don't know what level of coach you're ready for. Maybe all you need is this seminar I gave to you here today. Maybe that's the level of coaching you're ready for. Maybe you're just ready for one of the 17 books that I wrote type thing. Maybe you're ready for a one-to-one -one coach. I'm not sure, but depending upon your goals determines you know, what level of coaching you need. You want to get there fast, you obviously you need high level of coaching. You want to get there slow, you need slow, a lower level of coaching. It's pretty simple that way. Brilliant. Uh, Brad, thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. We're going to stop the recording the live stream in a moment. So let's stay online and chat for a few more minutes. And this will be like uh, 
after the show kind of thing. And once again, thanks so much, man. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results. 